for the next several weeks. And Austin's going to play a solo up here with me, huh? And so, um, you know, I was really praying about, you know, what's next? What's next? What's next in the life of our church? And what's next that he wants for us? And I was on the internet one day and I filled out a survey and about a week later, I got this little box in the mail and it had a flash drive in it. And it said, who's your one? So I started looking at it more and I started searching on the internet and looking at it. And the North American Mission Board, it started looking at um, trying to get churches all on the same page with reaching people. And so as I looked, I said, boy, this is good stuff. And so I sent it out and I asked the staff, I said, hey, what do you think about this? And, and it actually had outlines and everything for sermons. And Frank said, you'll never follow them. But anyway, it's a good shot. I'm going to try. And so that's where we're at today. And it's called Who's Your One? And we're going to be on this for the next four or five weeks. And it's a real, we're going to be getting to the, to, to the nitty gritty and the meat to where it's our job, not my job, y'all's job, all of our job to tell people about Jesus. And so I think a lot of times people think, well, let me call Brother Johnny. He'll, he'll do that. He's good at that. You know, but it's our job. To, to tell people about Jesus. And so that's where we're going to be. And there, there's some printed um, guides we're going to pass out at the end of the service today. And I'll explain that to you a little bit too. And just, um, it, it's going to help for the next 30 days, get your heart ready for, for what's coming and, and what you need to be doing. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four. And as you turn there, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and, and I've, I said this last week, but a couple of weeks ago, we went, the staff went to a conference in Atlanta or north of Atlanta. And there was two things that I took away from just statements that was made. And one of them was um, said this. It said, what is the faith of the next generation worth? Everything. Say that with me. Everything. 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 That's what the faith of the next generation is worth. And another statement that was made at that conference, it said, we need to create a church that the unchurched will love. Because if people don't feel loved when they come in here, they're not going to come back. And this is why we're here, is for love. And so, so both of those, I'm um, just stuck in, you know, they just kind of ingrained into me. And so you're going to hear those a lot. And as you're turning to Matthew, let me, I want to tell you about yesterday. I had a unique opportunity yesterday. And um, last week, Mike tried to pray me into Angola, but they let me out. And so I guess that's either good and bad. Either they didn't like me or they said, hmm. But, but I did learn something. Them guys eat pretty good. Not that I want to be there. But they don't eat canned goods. They grow their own food up there and they grow their own cows. Not that I want to be there, but I'd like to go eat with them once or twice maybe. You know, but yesterday was an amazing day. I'd never, to be honest, heard of it. And Awana started something about 10 years ago. And they go into the prison this one day, and this is a day that dads can spend a day with their kids, and it's like set up like a carnival. They have games, and they have, I mean, you could have went fishing, Bass Pro set up two tanks with a bunch of catfish in it to where the kids could fish, and, you know, so it was a real safe environment for a dad to get to spend a day with his kids, and I thought that was really cool. And they have like 500 volunteers. And so next year, closer to time, Live Oak, you're going to be hearing a lot about that because I think we need to go. They had 500 plus volunteers there yesterday and only 130 was from the state of Louisiana. They had people from California, from New York, from Wisconsin, from Idaho, you name it, they was there to help with this. And I said, well, we need to be part of this. This is really a good ministry. And so um, 
So you get to go up there. So anyway, I was there yesterday, and I talk about it all day, but I'm not. Maybe. But, <laughs> but me and my dad and Paige, my oldest daughter, went to this. And so we got there, and we're hanging out. And it was eye-opening for all of us. Because once you go behind a 10-foot fence with multiple layers of razor wire on it, and you go through another fence with multiple layers of razor wire, and you look up in these towers, and there's these guys with these high-power rifles and scopes, you realize you're at their mercy. And so um, it was, it's a different feeling to know that you can't get out unless somebody says, Johnny, you can walk out of here. And so we were spending the day, and, and I got to um, use my dogs out in the rodeo arena, and that was really cool to be in a rodeo arena up there and, and share the gospel with the dogs. And so, but the whole thing, the whole day is centered around the gospel. They have the games, they have the food and all that, but everything points back to Jesus. And these guys, it wasn't a free ride for them to be able to participate in this. They had to do a year-long Bible study called Malachi Dad to be able, they had to finish that study before they could spend the day with their kids like this. So it wasn't just something that you could just say, hey, I want to do this. They had to earn that to be able to do it. So anyway, it was a neat day to be there and to spend time like that. You know, and who's your one? You know, whenever we talk about that over the next several weeks, who's your one? It would have been real easy for me, and I was telling 8 o'clock service to be, to just say, you know something, God? Live Oak has nothing to gain for us to be and spend a day up there. Because it's not like we can go up there and share the gospel and some of those men come back to church here because the average sentence up there is 95 years. I probably am not going to live that long, I hope. And so, you know, so it's not like, but it was about being obedient. And it was about taking the gospel to them there and to take it to their kids and let their kids see that there's hope. And so, you know, so who's your one? And so, you know, today we're going to start pinpointing who's our one. And by the end of the day, hopefully God's going to give you one name of one person to pray for for the next 30 days for you to have the opportunity to share Jesus with. Not me, not Donnie, not Mike, not Frank, but you to share Jesus with. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And um, we're going to start. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. And they were in the boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus called them and immediately left their boat. They left their boat and they left their father and they followed him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, Father, and I just ask that, Father, you show us to the depths of our hearts, Father, what you have in store for us. And that, Father, we take your word, Father, and we go just how you're telling these men. And that, Father, we'll become fishers of men and of ladies and of kids. And that, Father, your gospel will become um, a way of life for us. Not just an event. Not just a, a day here or there. But every day. Every breath. Father, we love you. In the Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, whenever to get started, I, I like history. And as I started looking at some of the notes that they had sent, 
I thought this was interesting because, you know, right there, Jesus is calling these men out to become his disciples, to follow him. Well, you know, to set the stage for that back then, that's a little different than the way it was, the system was set up to be. And so let me read you this. It said, all Hebrew boys went to Torah school starting at age five. By the age 10, they all knew the Torah, and the best students went on to study the remainder of the Old Testament, and the rest returned to work with their families in their family business. At age 17, if you wanted to go on and make a career out of religious studies, your next step was to find a rabbi you admired and apply to become one of his disciples. When you found one, you would go sit at his feet, and there you would request to learn. And the rabbi would examine you with questions and put you through a series of tests to see if you were worthy to be his disciple. The rabbis would choose the smartest and most talented boys to be their disciples. Another reason the rabbis were so picky was because when they chose a disciple, they were choosing someone they believed that would become just like them, to not just know what they knew, but to do what they did. And for several years, these young disciples would follow their rabbis, imitating them in every way. And the goal of the disciple was to become like the rabbi. And you say, well, why is that important to me? Because back then, they had to be chosen. The rabbi chose them. You know, and I honestly believe that if Brother Howard would have set me down 15 years ago and started quizzing me and drilling me and putting me through tests, he just said, you need to go back to where you came from. You know, but he didn't because God chose me. And he was being obedient then in taking me as his disciple and mentoring me. And so whenever we look at this, you know, how many of us would really right now, if I said, all right, I'm going to start calling you up and I'm going to start asking you questions. How many of us would say, oh, see ya, going home. Let me beat the line to Londons and stories, you know. But we don't have to do that no more. Because when you read this scripture and you see what Jesus did right here, Whenever he was walking, you know, he walked. And what did he say? He says, come, follow me. And you say, why is that important? Because he chose to be team. Because these guys wasn't the smartest, wasn't the brightest. They wasn't biblical scholars. These were guys that had went through the school, decided that's not what they wanted to do for their life. So they went back to the boats with their dads and decided to become fishermen. And Jesus chose them. They didn't choose him. And that's important. He chose them. He walked up. He says, hey, you come follow me. Come follow me. And this is what you're going to do. You will become a fishers of men. He talked to them in a language that they knew. He didn't tell them, I'm going to send you out and you're going to start plowing gardens and get to fertile people because they didn't know that language. He said, I'm going to make you fishermen. You're going to go fish for people. They didn't know what he meant, but they was obedient and they followed and they left. And so that's what we need to take away. And so when you start looking, you know, he didn't choose the best. He chose the willing. And the next thing was um, that he chose them. They didn't choose him. And in the, in the book of John, verse, chapter 15, verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Do you hear that? He didn't say, I chose you so that you could come sit in these comfy chairs in this air-conditioned building that's dry. I chose you so you could go bear fruit. I chose you so you could go bear fruit. I didn't choose you so you could go watch Brother Johnny bear fruit. I chose you so that you could go bear fruit. Are you understanding what he's saying right here? 
He's picking us. He didn't say, I'm choosing you because you're smart. I'm choosing you because of what you learned in Sunday school this morning. I'm choosing you because of what you learned in Bible drills years ago or what you're learning in Awana now. I'm choosing you to go bear fruit. And as you go down a little bit more, you know, and you start looking in, in, John, in 15, John 15, verse 8, it says, The Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Not just produce fruit, but you produce much fruit. He's saying, so I chose you so that you could produce fruit. What's fruit? It's the people around you that need to hear about Jesus. What's fruit? It's the labor that needs to be done for him. But I guarantee it's not about grading that parking lot. It's not about cutting this grass, about painting them walls. The fruit he wants us to bear is telling people about him. Who's your one? Who's that person that you know that needs to know the Lord? I believe that our lives intersect all the time with people. And a lot of times we just think it's a chance opportunity, right? Oh, I run into so-and-so today at the store. Well, maybe so-and-so needed prayer that day. Back in 2011, I went back and looked through my notes, and um, my funeral notes, and that'll tell you where this is going. In 2011, I had a grass-cutting business. I got laid off. Some of y'all heard that story in 2009 from engineering, and I was working part-time at our credit union, I was working part-time here at the church, and I started a lawn care business um, to help support my family. So I was busy. And so I was cutting grass one day in a subdivision right here at Crestwood. Y'all know where Crestwood is? Right down Four Road. So within the shadows of our steeple, literally. I pulled up to cut the house I, I needed to cut, dropped the tailgate on my trailer, and I was by myself that day, got on my mower, click, nothing. And I got one of those little fancy battery jump-off boxes, but where was it at? At home charging. <laughs> so I sat on my trailer, and it was an elderly gentleman sitting on his front porch on the street, on the house across the street from where I needed to cut. And he got up, and he come over there, and he said, Son, you got problems? I said, Yes, sir. I'm going to have to run back home. No, he said, I got jumper cables. I'll jump you off. So he jumped me off, and he went back and sat on his porch. And we talked for a few minutes, and I introduced myself to him. And, and so I started cutting. So I had an hour to cut and weed eat and blow. And I was praying, God, why, why did my mower not start? Why did you want me to meet this man? Because it was a brand new battery. I said, God, why did you want me to meet this man? This is a parent you wanted me to meet. So God, tell me what I need to do now. And I prayed that for an hour on that, on that John Deere. And so I loaded up. And I had to cut one more yard in that thing. I said, well, I'm going to just leave it running and haul it down the street real quick. And it was on the same street. And um, that way, it'll be ready to go when I get down there. So I got off and strapped it down, and I, he come back out, and we're talking. And, and I, said, um, I said, can I pray with you? He said, ah, it ain't going to do no good, son. I said, why? He said, I'm dying. I said, really? He said, yes, sir. He said, I got cancer. So it's not too late to pray. He said, yeah, but I, I don't know. He said, because I'm, I'm not going to be with him. I said, well, you can so I started talking to him. And so leaning on that trailer in the middle of that subdivision street on a hot afternoon, I had the opportunity to lead that man to the Lord. Who was my one? It was that man that day. Three weeks later, I did his funeral. 
And I was able to stand right here and tell his family he accepted Christ three weeks ago on the edge of my trailer. I know where your dad's at. I know where your husband or where your grandpa's at. But you've got to be obedient. And I'm not telling you this story so that you can pat me on the back. Not at all. I'm telling you this story to encourage you. You need to look for opportunities. We miss opportunities. Every day our paths cross with people. You know, yesterday I run into a man at the prison and my, my oldest daughter was standing there and we was getting ready. And, and all of a sudden behind you hear, Brother Johnny? Brother Johnny, is that you? I know him. And my daughter looks at me and my dad and she says, we can't even go to prison without my dad knowing somebody. <laughs> and so he comes up and it was, he, he was a friend. And he used to go to church here years ago. And we hugged each other and we talked and we called up for a few minutes. And he was telling me how God had, he had surrendered his life to God for real and how he was studying his Bible every day. And he was on fire. And that fired me up then. And I was ready to run out in the middle of that rodeo arena with them dogs and tell people about Jesus. And I'm, I believe, as sure as I'm standing here, that God put him there to encourage me because I prayed for that man a lot through the years. And so you never know. You never know who you're going to encounter and what you're going to do. And so who's your one? And so, you know, as we look at this today, our primary calling is to follow him. Our primary calling is to take this word and read it and learn it. Our primary calling is to spend time with him. But it's not just to camp out on this. Because what's he say? He says, follow me and I will make fishers of men of you. I chose you to bear fruit. These aren't words from Johnny Morgan. These are words straight out of here. He's telling us, I chose you. I'm choosing you to bear fruit. Not just a little fruit, a lot of fruit. So we need to get busy. And we need to camp out. And we need to... You know, to just spend time in this and learn it. But what else am I going to tell you this morning is you don't have to have that Bible memorized to tell somebody about Jesus. If you're in here today and He's your Lord and Savior, that's all you need to know. Because your story is unique to you. Because how I come to know the Lord is not the same way that Donald Turner come to know the Lord or Richard Macklin come to know the Lord or Nicole Trust come to know the Lord. And our story is going to reach somebody. And he's telling us, I chose you to bear fruit. I'm choosing you to go tell your story so that I get to glory for it, so that people know me for this. And so we have to be willing to follow him. But I think what happens is whenever you read this scripture in verse 19, it says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And he says, going on from there, he saw two brothers. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in their boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately let, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Why is that important? Because too many times we put our priorities in the wrong places. And right there, he's pointing out, these guys not only followed me, they left everything they knew in life to follow me without question. Not only did they leave their jobs, but they left their family. Now, some of us want to leave our family, don't we? Some of us want to run from our family and hide from them, you know? Go in the bathroom and shut the door where they can't find us. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making God number one, putting him here so that we can produce that fruit. Putting him here so that people can hear our story, 
about how he changed our life. But we have to be willing to do it. And I think that's why it's important, you know. And he, and you know, he tells us, like I've mentioned, to produce spiritually. You know, he's telling us to do it. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, a lot of us can quote this verse from heart. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember I'm with you always to the very end of age. He's telling us we have to get personal. You know, this charge getting for a, a movement of the church, this charge is personal. He's telling us, I want you to disciple. I want you to teach. I want you to spend time with them. I want you to build that relationship with them so that you can produce fruit. Are we getting it? So when we talk about who's your one, who's that one that we're going to pray for for the next month? You know, and, and this is my prayer, is that when God gives you that name, you just, you get miserable until you spend time with them and talk to them. That you get there and you spend time knee to knee eye to eye with them and tell them about Jesus. And if you need to start it with a text message, shoot me a text and I'll send you a list of verses and questions. You can send them and say, hey, read these and then let me call you. I keep it in my notes in my phone. It's real easy. Share Jesus without fear. There's questions and there's, there's verses and all that to walk them through. And then you can just go through it with them. But we have to be willing to start by praying for them. We have to be willing to do it. You know, these prayer guides that the North American Mission Board produced, you know, it's got it broke down simple. Every day there's, there's a different prayer. Every day there's a blank. You know, and, and you just read this every day and you pray this. Lord, cause the light of your glory to shine in the life of Donald. I know the clearest reflection of the glory is seen in Jesus Christ. Help Donald to see Jesus clearly. For this to happen, I ask for boldness to speak of Jesus and help him or her understand who Jesus is and what he came to do. Bring to mind the scriptures and the stories of Jesus. It will help me talk about him in the way that he puts your glory on display. Remove the blinder Satan has created to blind him or her of the beauty of Jesus. Use other people and circumstances to call Donald to consider the truth of Jesus. I trust that you will cause that you will cause light to shine in his or her darkness. You know, there's blank. So every day you're praying a different prayer. Every day you're filling in the blank with your person, with your one. Who's your one right now? Who's that one person that comes to your mind and says, they need to know who Jesus Christ is. This person needs a touch of Jesus. And that's who for the next month, as you get this guide when you leave, that you can fill this out every day. You don't even have to think about it. The prayers are written. And you just pray those prayers. And I'm telling you, prayer works. And I'm telling you, if you let God, if you open, let him open your life to where you can do it, he's going to rock you. Your pastor is going to cross with so many people that want to hear about Jesus that you won't be able to stand it sometimes. But is it always easy? Absolutely not. Is it hard some days? Absolutely. Are you going to have times when you're going to share with people and they're going to say, don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. Probably 20 plus years ago, I was in, in a stage of my life when I was coon hunting a lot. And I used to love coon hunting. If you don't know what coon hunting is, maybe you'll meet Jesus today before we leave and I can tell you about it. But I was coon hunting back then. And on this particular time, I probably had the best dog I'd ever owned in my life. 
And so she was a quick tree dog and had an outstanding mouth. And some of y'all mean nothing, but Mr. Aikman, that means a lot, don't it? Because he knows what a coon dog is. And so I was coon hunting. And I was hunting with one of my cousins, and our past wasn't exactly the same. But we was cousins and best friends, and we hung out every night together in the woods. And one night I went to go to the tree by myself, and the coon was up the tree, and, and I got there, and it was crystal clear. God said, Johnny, you need to quit this because you're living a lie and there's people that need to see a difference in you. Man, I was wrecked. I had the best dog I'd ever owned in my life. I'd worked hard to get that dog. So I got back. When I got back to the, to the trucks, my cousin and another friend of ours was there, and I said, look, I said, I, I've got to sell. Her name was Queen. I said, I'm a sell old queen. I said, I've got to quit. I've got to get my life back together with God. And I said, and I'm just being honest, you know, hear my heart. I said, y'all, y'all, y'all need to meet this Jesus I'm talking about. And my other friend that was there, he didn't understand, but nodded and offered to buy my dog. And my cousin literally, literally kicked rocks at me and cussed me and said, I'll never talk to you again. That was hard. I got back in my truck and I drove home. And I said, God, I don't understand this. But I prayed for him every day, every day, every day. Six months later, my phone rings. I pick it up, and it's that cousin. And he, as soon as I answered, I didn't know if I was answering to another cousin. I didn't know what. I said, hey. He said, I'm sorry. I love you. And I met Jesus last night. Six months. So some of us, we're going to do this. And at the end of that 30 days, they might not have made that decision. But your prayers are going to be worth it. Don't give up. Don't give up. There's people sitting in this room today, I promise you, that are answered prayers to other people that didn't give up on you. When they probably should have, they didn't. Because our God loves us. Say that with me. God loves me. God loves me. Excite me about it now. God loves me. Now, you need to take that love to somebody else because that's what it's about. He tells us, go, bear much fruit. Go, bear much fruit. Go, become a fisherman of men. Go. Don't sit. My prayer is that in 30 days that I have to bring Howard Turner back out of retirement because we have so many people walking through that baptistry that we got to call in people to help us because our arms won't hold up to it. Because if we take this serious, lives are going to be changed. If we take this serious, and it's not about us. It's not going to be back, well, Brother Johnny preached a good sermon that day. Look at all these people. It has nothing to do with Johnny Morgan. It has nothing to do with the staff. It has nothing to do with Live Oak Baptist Church. It has everything to do with bearing fruit for God so that he gets the glory. Wayne, if you'll put that slide up for me. It says, can you imagine what it would be like if every one of the people here this week did this and asked God, give me one person I could bring to Jesus. And if every one of our small groups made it their goal to reach one person for Jesus, if we each committed to reach one, does that make sense? If everybody, How many people's in here? Everybody, right? All of us. It was a trick question. 
But if all of us commit to that, all of us commit to one person, that's it, one person, then in a month, Patrick's going to have to figure out how to video live into the fellowship hall so we can overflow in there. Because our God's that big. And our God is that honest with us. He says, come follow me and bear much fruit. Come follow me and do this. And I'm not the smartest fellow, but I understand what that means. It means go do it. Go, go. So who's your one? Who's your one? Who's your one that you're going to pray for? Who's your one that you're going to sit down with knee to knee and eye to eye? And you're going to say, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you about how big my God is. Let me tell you what my God's done in my life. And there's some sitting in here today say, you know something? I don't know that God. I can't do this because I've never prayed that prayer and asked him to become my one. So today, where are we at? 